episode 47 of Parkrun Adventurers is here. How the my goodness did that happen? It's almost, we're, we're pushing that 50 milestone. It's so close, I can smell it. Welcome to the podcast, Scotty. Hey, is it a bit like, oh, thanks Mel, is it a bit like when you were getting close to your first 50 shirt? You know, you made sure that you, you ran every week. Yeah, but even then it took like 10 runs just for those last five runs to happen. It just feels, well, it feels like it took 10 weeks for those last five runs, even when you were running every week. It did. I remember getting close to my 100 last year and planning every week, you know, where I'm going to be, how I'm going to hit it, where I was going to be. It just seemed to take forever. And that's a bit the same with getting to episode 50 of the podcast. A little bit. It's fun, but it just seems like we're never going to get to that magic (laughs) 5-0. It's always fun. Parkrun is the definition of fun. It is. Whether it be podcasts or weekly 5K timed runs. It's time for the news. Seventeen thousand and seventy-three first timers rocked up to parkruns across the world this parkrun day. The breakdown goes like this. Three thousand and eighty-seven in Australia, eleven in Canada, thirty-one in Denmark, thirty-three in France. 618 in Ireland, 19 in Italy, 154 in New Zealand, 224 in Poland, 86 in Russia, 15 in Singapore, 3,386 in South Africa, 7 in Sweden, 8,497 in UK, and 114 in the USA. With the UK and Ireland also welcoming 782 and 9 first-time juniors to their junior park runs, respectively. Tribe Sports are currently running a Black Friday promotion offering free global shipping on all orders. With the festive season upon us and a recently expanded range of park run kit available, now could be a perfect time to add some items to the running wardrobe. Achilles Melbourne club member and Gels Park runner Adam Coops has completed his second marathon with sighted guide Amelia in a PB time of 3 hours 38 minutes at Run for the Young. Adam and Amelia ran their first marathon together in October this year at the Melbourne Marathon Festival. The Afterglow Twilight Night Trail Run took place on Victoria's surf coast over the weekend. Runners were treated to either 12 or 21 kilometres of scenic fluoro funnery, with parkrunners taking the lead in the glow and fluoro fancy dress stakes. Reports have been received from the International Space Station that this year several parkrunners were visible from space. Hey Mel, have you heard of the Worldwide Companion Run? I have not. Let me tell you about it. It was the idea of a guy whose mate moved away, but he still wanted to run with his mate. So he set up this international running event so that at the same time, anywhere in the world, they could run together. And from that, it's grown, going to include a lot more people. So four o'clock on Monday morning this week, I did a freedom run around Westerfolds with 19 other crazies who wanted to get up at four o'clock in the morning and go for a run. So when you say it's at this same time, it's literally, it's not you run at 4am here and they're running at 4am in Canada, for example. It's 
they're running at whatever the time difference is between 4 a.m. and there, so that you're physically running at the same time in different time zones. Exactly. So the guy who set it up is in New Zealand. So he set it up nice and cushy for, I think, a 7 o'clock run for him. The flow-on effect for that is 4 o'clock for us. It would be 3 o'clock for you. You know, over in Europe, it's in the middle of the night. Um, but the funny thing is, last year he changed the time so it was 5 o'clock in the afternoon for us. And nobody did it because it wasn't it wasn't fun to get up and go for a run at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. But make it 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> to get up and go for a run at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> do, you, do you sleep most of your afternoons? <laughs> do you have a siesta well, <laughs> and that's too early to get out of bed? That's a good idea. <laughs> Maybe more people would have done it last year if they had. I did have a little siesta on Monday afternoon. I can let you in on that secret. Because when you get up at 3.30 to go for a run, you start to crash at about 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. Aren't you used to getting up at that time to watch the NFL anyway? Well, I am, but that's a different matter because you get up and you sit on the couch. And watch other people do physical activity. (laughs) Exactly. Getting up, getting dressed in your gear, driving to a park, running 5K is completely different to sitting on the couch for three hours watching football. But lots of fun. I highly recommend it. And I reckon next year, it's going to be at the same time. So it might be a bit of a push for you. I can get up at three o'clock in the morning or earlier. Yeah, I think we should make it a thing with all our parkrun adventures. I mean, that's the definition of a parkrun adventure. It's all running at the same time. Yeah. Well, why, why, why wait? Why, why not let's plan it for, you know, earlier in the year? That could be our own personal well, adventure. Yeah, we could do something like that. We've got 12 months to plan for next year's worldwide companion run. Did you have any adventures that started at 4 o'clock in the morning this week or on the weekend? Um, I've been dreaming a lot lately, but I couldn't tell you what time those dreams are happening. Um, no no adventures as such at Parkrun. Um, we had a special event, though, at my home Parkrun on Saturday. Um, one of our much-loved parkrunners passed away a couple of weeks ago, so we had a tribute run for him on Saturday. And it was very beautiful. Everybody dressed in blue in honour of him because that was his favourite colour. And, yeah, it was a very special morning. is high on the to-do list for both myself and Scotty is Bunyaville in Queensland because we both love a trail. Joining us now we have the event directors Steve Marston and Brenda Gibb. Welcome to the podcast guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Now it's a bit exciting you're just about to celebrate your third anniversary this weekend. What are the plans? A lot of people enjoy the trails, have a great run and um, enjoy some fruit and some celebrations afterwards. We're also one of the only trail runs in Brisbane area, so it's it's a great way to come and sightsee, actually, and do some mounts of opportunity. I understand you have a little bit of elevation on your course. Is that something that you think draws the runners in or keeps them away? I think it can be cut both ways, Mel. I think some people love the challenge of the hills, and other people love a flat park run and uh, 
and we'll stay away. I know our fill-in territory director this weekend is looking forward to the challenge. He's never run a trail park run before. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think it's great. I think the, the scenery and the people make up for it not being flat. And I just think it's mounts of opportunity. It's not, it, it really is a great cause. Everybody should come and see it for themselves. So your record is 231. How many do you average on a average week these days? Yeah, yeah it depends. usually get about uh, around the 100 mark. Um, but usually, like in winter, it obviously, like most park runs, it drops off a little bit. And then it picks up again as it warms up a little bit. So over the winter time, we kind of get, uh, you know, somewhere around the 80s or so. And then over summer, we tend to get you know, around the 100, 120 most weeks. We haven't managed to break our attendance record since we launched all the way back three years ago. I think we get a lot of cross-country runners during winter, though, because they train for their cross-country runs or their um, more yearly runs just to build up some strength. And that's a, that is great to see. Uh, I think that's what keeps us going, is to see the runners being eager to train for those runs. We've also had a lot of runners say that our course um, helps them on marathons because they find that the building of strength actually helps them um, keep their... Um, you know, keep their pace at one and distance and they don't feel as tired. Um, so I guess a, a bit of mixture of both can be good for a person, a runner especially. I love your uh, mounts of opportunity point of view, Brenda. I think that's a very positive way to, to look at some elevation on a course. Now, do you get a lot of adventurers who come from other events? I mean, obviously, if you've got an average sort of roughly of 100 or sometimes 120 in the summer, you know, you're, we're in the summer now, but you want to break a 231 course attendance record. So I'm assuming you're going to be hoping for a lot of adventurers joining you. Does it happen very often? It happens on occasion. We do get a lot of international runners um, come through and a lot of um, national runners actually visiting us. Um, I think it depends on um, each individual runner. It, like Steve said, actually, it's like um, you either like running on a flat course with a lot of people or you like running in a bush where you get a bit of scenery. I've been involved in setting up a trail park run down here in Melbourne, Studley. Now, we've had the unfortunate of a few falls at our course. Have you come across many stack club entries? <laughs> We're we've calling had... Bunyaville tattoos, Scott. Okay, exactly. that's a good one. Uh, we've had nice serious stacks. Uh, we all manage them. It's great. It's like the people are very friendly. They stop to help. And we've just been amazed by the support we've had, really. It is just yeah, a part it, of trail running, unfortunately. And I, I think it's, you tend to, people tend to fall often on the less technical sections because they're just cruising and not so mindful of their foot placement. And that's when, you know, and you, there's a great, uh, it's this huge, big stump or something. And then the thing that you actually trip over is the smallest little pebble that's just sticking out of the surface of the trail. But as you say, it's it's a Bunyaville tattoo, so it's like a badge of honour, isn't it? Exactly. 
I know that's the way they treat it at Nambour Park Run. They've actually created Stack Club stickers for any entrants that join the Stack Club. They they just instigated that at their anniversary um, two weeks ago. So I think that's going to be an ongoing thing now. Wow. That's, a, am, that's an excellent way to look at it, actually. <laughs> I understand that when they were looking at launching, they actually contacted you guys to find out what you had in your first aid kit because a lot of people don't realize but all parkrun events get issued with quite a small sort of um, easy to carry first aid kit which possibly isn't quite sufficient to cope with the kinds of injuries um, that you might deal with on a trail event if somebody stacks it on a trail usually they've got a few more scrapes and bumps and bruises than if they just go down on a concrete path have you got a supercharged first aid kit? Well, Mel, we're lucky enough that we have one of our regular park runners works at a hospital. Few nurses at park run that um, always is willing to donate something and is always willing to help out. Like the few stacks we've had, um, they were on the scene. They stopped their run to help and assist, and that's really great to see. I'm really impressed by the community um, group that we've got. And have you guys done much adventuring around yourselves or do you you stick pretty much closely to Bunyaville? Yeah, I have, Mel. I've run about uh, 20-odd different parkrun courses, I think. Great. Can you give us a top three? Well, Bunyaville, of course. No, you're not allowed to include Bunyaville. (laughs) If you'd listened to the podcast before, you would realise we never let people include their home parkruns. I think um, my top three would be Nambour, Kawana, and Sale, actually, in Victoria. Oh, we haven't heard a lot about Sale, I don't think. What's that course like? Uh, it's it's an out-and-back flashish course around the lake it, uh, at the, in the park at Sale. It's, um, yeah, it's quite a nice course. I haven't done Bansdale yet, which uh, looks like a really nice course, actually. It's always good to have a bunch on your list. Are you originally from Victoria, Steve? Or just a frequent visitor? Victoria for a couple of years, and I still have uh, a couple of really good friends down in Victoria, so I am down in Victoria probably once or twice a year for a few weeks. And what's both of your backgrounds, running backgrounds? How did you get involved in parkrun? Well, I actually didn't even know parkrun existed until I googled free running, because um, obviously at the time when I googled free running, I wasn't able to afford many entries into running events and I wanted to join a running club that could support me, encourage me and uh, help me get back into it because obviously after a lot of years I wasn't um, in running and um, it was really great to come to park run. It was a really friendly atmosphere and everybody was just like supportive I was quite amazed actually I was quite um it was quite daunting actually I took my daughter with me for the first time and said well if you don't like it we don't have to stay but everybody was so lovely that I ended up staying and here I am three years later the event director so it was it's great it's fantastic I was uh my brother had uh convinced me to try we did a Tough Mudder together as a work event. He was working with me at the time. And Sandgate Park Run launched, and he knew Vanessa Gibson per, uh, personally. And so he convinced me to go along 
to the inaugural Sandgrape Park Run as some form of training for Tough Mudder. And yeah, I was like, I was Brenda a bit skeptical and kind of going, oh, you know, I'm not really much of a runner, Craig. And uh, yeah, from the, that first morning, I was hooked and I've been going back every Saturday morning that I can ever since. Thanks for coming on the podcast this week, guys, sharing the Bunyaville story. Good luck with trying to break your record on the weekend. Yes, we'll let you know how it goes. I will be watching. Excellent. There's lots of different ways you can be motivated to run. I found one during the week through a website and through a running buddy of mine called Who I Run For. So I thought we'd get the founder on the podcast to have a chat about it. Welcome to the Parkrun Adventurers, Tim Boyle. Hey, how's it going? We're great. Tim, can you explain the concept and the idea behind Who I Run For? Uh, the, the concept is pretty simple. Uh, what it is is it's runners and other athletes uh, doing their exercises, logging their miles, logging their work, workouts for those who are physically unable to do so or those who struggle with, with that kind of workout or, or scenario. And how did it come about? Like, how did you get the idea to start it? I had, I had given up smoking. I was a two-and-a-half-pack-a-day smoker, and I'd given it up and took up running. Um, what, what ended up happening was I was starting to get injured. Uh, the weather was starting to change and get colder. Um, here in Fargo, North Dakota, in the U.S., uh, the winter, it gets down to anywhere from 10 to 20, 30 below uh, Fahrenheit. And I was starting to lack motivation with the injuries and the cold coming up. And I, I did a search on Google to find some inspirational running quotes. And I found one that said, I run because I can. And when I get tired, I remember those who can't run and what they would give for the simple gift we take for granted. And to me, I thought that was something absolutely profound. And so I posted it on Facebook and, uh, a guy that I had become friends with uh, had comment on, commented on it saying that I could run for him anytime. His name is Michael Wasserman, and he's now 55 years old. He's got Down syndrome, and he's in a wheelchair. So that's how it all started with me just uh, looking for more motivation other than your typical um, do it for your health and do it for this and do it for that. Um, I wanted to do it for someone else and hopefully inspire him to um not not be better but let him know that i was out there and i was thinking about him every step of the way tim how does that manifest in terms of you're you're running for somebody but how do you keep them involved through your running journey what we do is uh once i do any kind of workout uh like let's say today i did i did a two mile run on the treadmill and once I'm done, I'll snap a little selfie of myself and uh, I'll post it on our Facebook page at uh, uh, Facebook, I run for Michael. And I'll post on there and I'll say, hey, Michael, today uh, my run was a little tough, lost a little of my conditioning, but I thought of you and, and how much you smile at your uh, Santa Claus doll that you have. And, and I post it on Facebook and I tag him and I tag his mom so they both can see uh, what I did for him today. And this includes when, so that, that's obviously a treadmill run, but when you go out and you're training for larger events and things like that, do they ever get an opportunity to go along and actually see you at your runs? 
Um, a lot of the buddies do, but with Michael, it's very, very hard for him to to travel. Um, so I did fly out to um, California and met him about a year and a half ago and hung out with him for the day or for two days and got to know him face to face. Uh, a lot there's several buddies that that have traveled to go to races. Um, and that's that's absolutely something spectacular to see is when when you get someone pushing someone in a wheelchair that's usually provided by one of our partner groups called ANC's Angels of America um, to be able to push their buddy in a race and, and watch them cross the finish line together. It's it's absolutely amazing. And this may be a silly question, but what if the buddy don't get to do that? What do they actually get out of it by interacting through Facebook? With their buddies. They still they still get the the interaction um, because we, we require all of our runners to post at least at least three times a week, whether they run or not, and tag the tag the buddy and the parents. And what they get out of it is they they know that there's somebody out there outside their immediate family that cares about them. A lot of times these families they feel very, very isolated and very alone. Because people don't understand, and you'll find that that even their family members will kind of back off because they just don't understand what the situation is. And what this has done is it's opened up that cocoon to spread the awareness and spread the caring outside of their family. So now they don't feel so isolated. They no longer feel like there is, there's nobody out there that cares about them because now there is. Now there's a whole group of people that care about them. It's not just their their running buddy that that cares. Um, people in the group will always comment on other people's posts, saying, "You know, great job! Oh, your buddy is so amazing!" And and so now we have created a family of forty two thousand people. Yeah, okay, that's pretty powerful. And I guess the the able bodied person um, gets fantastic motivation out of it because they're motivated to keep running for their buddy. Absolutely. When when I first started doing this, um, my main goal was to motivate Michael and to inspire him and to make him feel great. I didn't realize how amazing it was going to make me feel for doing it as well. I remember crossing the finish line for my first half marathon um, and my the very first race I ever ran. Um, there were tears. I never, ever expected to have tears in, in my eyes crossing a finish line or anything of that nature. It's just such such an inspiration for me knowing that I'm able to do this for somebody, somebody who wouldn't complain about all the pain and all the, all the hard training that we had to do to get to where we were at. They would do it, and they would do it with a smile on their face. And so that motivates me to push even harder. Tim, you've got a large amount of people now involved in your organization. Can you tell us a little bit about how the Matching Buddies works? Well, the Matching Buddies is actually a fairly simple process. People go onto our website, uh, the whoirunfor.com, and then they uh, click the Match Me link, and you can choose to either be a runner or to be a buddy. And you you sign up on our on our forms, which takes literally maybe maybe two minutes max. And then the, the forms go on to spreadsheets. And then our uh, connection coordinator, Carol Dublin, she gets the names off the spreadsheets, matches them together, and then posts the match so that the people know. It's relatively simple. We never match based on location. 
So like if there's somebody in Australia, um, like let's say Sydney, and they wanted to run for a buddy in Sydney, we, we don't do that because that limits the amount of awareness that gets spread. We've always believed that it happens the way it happens for a reason. And so we just match based on our list. One of the problems you do have is you've actually got more runners signing up, haven't you? Yeah, we we have right now I think it's about 2500 runners waiting and the wait time that they're they're having to spend is about about 6 months, between 6 and 7 months. Um but that actually turned out to be a better thing than I thought it would be. Um when I first started when I first started the organization, I didn't have a whole lot of knowledge about families or anything dealing with special needs. I just knew that it, it felt really good for me to be doing this. And so when I first started it, I thought there was going to be the, the families of, of children with special needs just flocking to sign up. And I thought that they would have to wait for runners because I thought runners would be going, well, I don't know. This doesn't really seem like a, a good idea. But it, it, it was flip-flopped. Um, the runners just jumped on board. They absolutely love the idea. And the, the parents, I didn't realize, were very, very protective and very, very guarded. So them signing up was, was a lot harder than it was for the runners. So it actually ended up being a really, really good benefit because the, the children and families of children with special needs, they, they go through their lives having to wait for answers, wait for diagnoses, wait for pretty much everything in their life. This, this shouldn't be one more thing that they have to wait for. And it turned out perfectly that uh, they get matched within a day or two. Now, you've got people running for people with special needs, but you also have people running for their families and for people who've passed away. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, we have... We, we found that there was a real uh, real need for um, families, uh, like siblings, because the siblings oftentimes kind of feel excluded because so much time is dedicated to their brother or sister that has special needs. We saw that there was a real need for them to feel included. So we created a group just for them, too, um, so that we'll have runners running for the siblings. Um, and then one of the things that I didn't anticipate was uh, our children and adults passing away. And so um, we felt that there was a need for that to continue. We created a separate group for that because it's a, it's a little bit more somber. It's still very, very special, but it's, it's got a different feel to it. As a matter of fact, the, the lady that I chose to um, be the executive director of that group, um, her son passed away. So it's run by somebody that has been there, that knows the, the grieving process. We've also included one for military um, because a lot of times military feel like they're, you know, once they're wounded or, or they suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, they, they feel invisible. And so we wanted to bring that to awareness too. And it's not just our military, it's any military um, because war is war and, you know, it's, it's something that isn't confined to just one region. Post-traumatic stress disorder affects everybody. We just, we just felt that there was a need for that as well. These are all cool ideas, Tim. What about you? Do you ever, you're the man who came up with the idea. Everybody can come up with an idea. You've put it in to practice and you've set up this. Do you sit back sometimes and go, wow, this is happening. 
I'm helping all these people? Oh, all the time. Like I was telling you before we, we started the interview, I, I never in a million years would dream that I'd be doing a podcast um, for somebody in Australia. Um, I never, ever thought that I would have organizations like Ainsley's Angels of America um, being a partner, being able to be very, very, very close friends with the founder of that organization, um, to be in all the all the magazines, the newspapers. It's very, very surreal. Uh, I, it's I still look look at some of them, and I think that's actually me. It's it's very humbling uh, to know that I've created an organization that has affected so many people. There's oftentimes I just I just sit back and and I can't really say anything because I don't have words to to adequately describe what I'm feeling. What about Parkrun? <laughs> have you ever heard of Parkrun? Uh, I I hadn't until until you had, had contacted me. We need to bring it to the states. You know, maybe we could start one in North Dakota, where you are. Yeah, you just let me know how, and and we'll we'll get working on that. Yeah, well, it's a similar thing. It's 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 driven and built up by the community. So we, you know, it, it gets back to that idea of one man had an idea, but the community takes it somewhere, you know, far beyond, you know, one person ever could. Yeah, it's a. Uh... With with I run for it, I, I honestly got really really lucky. Um, I had an idea that really really struck a chord, um, and I'm guessing that that park run that just hasn't hit yet because there just hasn't been enough uh, uh, American exposure to it. You know, uh, we've had a lot of stuff going on here. We've had the elections, which which um, was very very tumultuous to say the least, and we've just had the 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 build up to the elections for the last year and just a lot of things just kind of stagnated because of those but now that now that it's over i can see organizations like park run becoming bigger because people are going are now looking for things to to ease their mind to give them a better you know lovey-dovey feel instead of all the hate that's been spewing all over facebook it's great to hear about what you've created, and hopefully some of our listeners will um, be driven to sign up for whoirunfor.com. Well, thank you so much for having me. I, I'm truly blessed and honored to, to be a part of this. Yet another Victorian launch this week, and I'm pretty sure everybody loves the name of this parkrun, Kahuna. Or is it Kohuna? No, this one's Kahuna. The big Kahuna. It is Kahuna? The big Kahuna. In a tiny little town called Kahuna. Are you going to be heading along to that one? Um, No, I'm not. No, we discussed this last week. I'm not a a little kind of guy. I know, I (laughs) know. You're the week two kind of guy. That's fine. (laughs) Well, there's also anniversaries going on all over the country. Early Beach, the boss will be eating cake tomorrow. No, not tomorrow because we're definitely not recording this on Friday. The boss will be eating cake at Early Beach this weekend. We've spoken to Steve and Brenda from Bunyaville in Queensland who are celebrating their third anniversary. What's going on in New South Wales, Scotty? We've got Lakeview also celebrating their third. Mount Gambier 
also doing their third. Wow, that's gone by quickly. I remember I went to their first anniversary. And Torrens, the very first event in South Australia, are celebrating their fourth. Big it's a week. big weekend for anniversaries. Yep, certainly is. It's time for Club Corner. We're all about helping each other out on this week's pod. We've already chatted to Tim from who I run for. Now let's speak to a group, a running group who also give up their time to help others achieve their running goals. We are now joined by Enrique from the Achilles Group. Welcome to the pod, Enrique. Thanks. Happy to be here. Can you explain exactly what the Achilles Club is and what they do? Sure, no worries. Um, Achilles is um, is, a, is a is a club primarily focused on helping people with disabilities um, take part in events such as park run, various different events such as marathons, half marathons, all distances. Um, we primarily focus on people with disabilities um, around vision impairment, but we definitely help people with all different types of disabilities. Achilles was um, founded in America, Achilles International, um, and has various different chapters around the world so we're from the there's an Australia chapter where you've got um, different chapters in Sydney and Melbourne um, primarily myself I'm from the Sydney chapter itself but we really focus on helping people with disabilities take part and break down I guess that that isolation that could happen from disabilities themselves and to take part in events such as park run and other various running events we have um, people with disabilities who are paired up with uh, a sighted guide or a guide to be able to aid in these events. Um, so you've got your um, your fully able guide who's responsible for making sure that the um, person with disabilities is taken care of during the run. The activity itself revolves purely around the um, the person with the disability. So the guide is merely there to be able to assist, to be able to provide to the needs of the um, person with the disability. And so we're tethered together. Or in some instances, um, we'll sometimes hold hands to make sure that if there's any type of hazard coming up, or um, if you've also got um, um, other people with, um, I guess, varying degrees of, of, of vision loss, um, sometimes they have slight um, vision to be able to see, so they don't need a tether as such to, to run and whatnot. As part of what your club does, do you provide training to people who would like to be guides? Because I imagine it's not just a... You know, you, you'd need a bit of a crash course in, well, forgive the pun, that's a terrible expression. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, look, um, one thing one thing that, that, that I will say about Achilles, so personally for myself, I've been a guide for about four years now. Um, guiding isn't something that's for everyone. Runners, um, I've got no shame to say I've been a runner for a long time. Runners can be very selfish people. So it's, it's really important that, this type of activity is all about the person with the disability. So all personal goals and objectives from the guide's point need to be put aside for the period that you are guiding someone and participating with them in, in this type of activity. There is training that is provided. Um, we have a lot of people that will come to a session to be able to get an understanding of how it works. And then obviously they're, they're, they're subsequently invited to further sessions. We, we never turn anyone away. We're absolutely more than happy to have people come down and join us um, for Achilles training. And if it's for them, they'll, they'll continue on. But if, if it's something that perhaps maybe didn't, didn't, didn't feel right or 
is it, is it for them? Um, then we'll, um, we'll keep in touch, yeah. But, yeah, we definitely do provide training and make sure that the person with disability, um, well, the guide knows of any type of um, impairment, any type of um, medication, any type, any type of hazards, anything that may need to be communicated through the course of the actual activity itself um, to make sure that the um, person with disability is always safe. I guess it's a lot like pacing. When you're pacing, you have to be comfortably faster than the people you're pacing. Absolutely. Is it the same with being a guide? Absolutely, yeah. That's exactly right. So um, to, to basically be a guide, you need to be, I guess, depending on who you're paired up with, you um, you, you need to have a certain level of, um, I guess, of competency with running. So to give you an example, um, I did the Boston Marathon this year with a gentleman called Stephen Green, who I do a lot of running with personally myself. Um, and to, to put a marathon as, as an able-bodied runner by yourself, you've obviously got to focus on yourself. You've got to focus on the target you want to get to. And yeah, focus on your your gels and your and your hydration, I guess, throughout the run, and making sure that you don't burn out. When it comes to guiding, you've got to obviously focus on number one, the vision impaired or person with disabilities um, welfare. So making sure any type of bumps, any type of tree root, anything that's on the ground is known. And if in the instance of um, making sure that um, medications are administered, making sure that you've got um, gels, water, so being able to juggle all those tasks throughout the race itself is, is really important. Um, you've also, obviously, if, if, the, if the person's going for a time, then you are a pacer as well. So essentially, it's, it's a combination of pacing, guiding, administering gels and medications, and, and ensuring, obviously, at all times, the, the welfare of your runner. So what do you do if someone comes to you and says they want to do a sub-three-hour marathon? Is the club big enough to accommodate uh, that? Oh, look, personally, myself, no, I probably couldn't, no. <laughs> but um, we, we, have, we, have, we have different, um, I guess you could say, um, connections to be able to find someone that could do that. Interesting you mentioned that. The, um, in 2015, I think the Boston Marathon, the fastest vision-impaired runner finished Boston in two hours and 45 minutes, I think it was. So you can imagine how fast you'd have to be to be the guy for that. But, yeah, it's a bit of context, I guess, for you. Yeah, where are we? Now, bringing it back to yeah. 5K distance, which is a bit easier, at yep. Parkrun now we've introduced the visually impaired eight as a volunteer position, um, and I've seen more and more of your members taking that up. How have you guys used Parkrun? Look, uh, I, look personally, I've seen Parkrun as, um, as, a, as a wonderful way to be able to introduce people who have come to us um, walking, for example. So you've got... Um, vision impairment, vision loss and whatnot can be a very isolating thing for people. So you will find people will, will, will sometimes struggle to be able to, to be able to break those barriers of being able to, um, do things that they previously did if they've lost their vision. So parkrun is a fantastic mechanism to look at graduating, I guess you could say, from your walking activities that you would do with someone into then taking up a, a shorter distance type run to be able to get your bearings with running if, if that's where you want to go, if you just want to walk it. That's one of the wonderful things about parkrun as well is that you can walk those events as well. And the most important thing is being able to take that person out and being able to show them that there are events and there are things that they can take part in, I guess, as, as in, in the running community such as parkrun. So they, they definitely have helped. They definitely are um, good events that happen every single week where you've got a really good community spirit. You've got a lot of people that will, will be there at the end also cheering you on and making sure that 
that no one's felt left out, I guess you could say. Enrique, I think what you're doing is fantastic. I've had first-hand experience um, with your club. All the members are doing an awesome job. Um, We should let people know about this volunteer position within Parkrun as well. I know a lot of people don't like to give up their run, so this is a perfect way to do it. Get in touch with Achilles and see if you can be paired up with someone to run with. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, look, like I said, we welcome people from all backgrounds that enjoy walking. It's a, it's a, it's a fantastic way to give back to the sport that you love, I guess you could say. And that's the way I look at Achilles volunteering myself. So, it's definitely something that I enjoy. I love running, and then to be able to give something back, it's a fantastic thing to do as well. Do you know? This part of the podcast last week, I asked for iTunes reviews. And? We got some. Some? Yep. That indicates plural. Yeah. More than one. So thank you, people. You do as I say. So this week, what I'd like to do <laughs> is to deposit. <laughs> no, I'm not in it for the money. But that was great. Thank you. We got a good response. We won't ask you again for a couple more months. Probably. Yep. Everyone's free this week. To go and enjoy your park runs over the weekend. Plan your Christmas and New Year park runs in the coming weeks. Mel, thanks for joining me for episode 47. You coming back for You're 48? Most welcome. Well, who else will you get on the show if I'm not here? Half the people we speak to have never heard of us. <laughs> Probably more than half, I think. <laughs> we should try to figure... We, we should have started charting this from... Right from the beginning, January 2016, we should have actually recorded the answers of the people that we asked to be on the show about whether or not they had heard of us before we got in touch. Um, You know what I said? There was no homework. There's homework for you this week. Tell people about the podcast. (laughs) Tell your friends. If you're listening, tell your friends. Share it. You know, it's worth a listen. I know everyone's time poor, but. Well, we think it's worth a listen. Make a couple of podcasters happy. It doesn't take much, believe me.